The short game is listener-supported on Patreon. If you'd like to support the show and join us on our Discord, head to theshortgame.net or patreon.com slash theshortgame. Welcome back to The Short Game. This is a show about short video games, games that respect your time. I'm Reagan Kelly, and I'm joined by my full cadre of co-hosts. Worker bear, Nate Heininger. Also worker bear, Laura Nash. And your brother bear, Shane Kelly. <laughs> oh, please, Shane. You are clearly our queen. Uh, and uh, we're talking this week about Killer Queen Black, which is a arcade-style multiplayer a competitive game for the Nintendo Switch and computers running Mac and Windows uh, via Steam. So, Killer Queen Black. I've been wanting to cover this on the show for a little while. It came came out about um, uh, late last year, late 2019. And uh, I, I hadn't had a chance to really get into it because it sort of requires a full team. In the case of Killer Queen Black, it requires... Uh, four people on each team, and it's... And really... how were you going to find four people who right. like playing games well, together? Impossible, impossible. But, uh, you know, also with the... It just with, doesn't exist. But also with the pandemic and everything, it, you know, I'd, we've been kind of looking for ways to get together and play games together more often, and it seemed like the right time to check this thing out, and I'm really glad that we did. Um, so brief, brief setup, and I, I also want to give a little backstory about this, uh, about this game. Uh, Killer Queen Black is a... Uh, team-based, uh, a, a good way to think of it is a team-based 4v4 joust with a bunch of other mechanics thrown in. So you have a lot of the mechanics of something like uh, like joust, where you've got uh, you know sprites walking around a 2D level with small platforms uh, trying to attack each other. Uh, the joust-style rules of, you know, if two people bump into each other, the one that is sort of on top is the winner of that of that confrontation, those all apply. Uh, but there are a bunch of twists. And uh, I think it makes a little bit of sense before we get too far into talking about Killer Queen Black to explain why I was so excited to cover Killer Queen Black. Shane, you and I have played the original Killer Queen together. Yes, absolutely. This is a game that uh, gets physically hauled out to like game conventions and things like that. And for many years, the only way you could play Killer Queen was to go to a big event uh, where Killer Queen is not a downloadable title or you know something people are going to set up on computers. It's a physical arcade cabinet mm-hmm. and not just any arcade cabinet. It's probably, you know, save for some things that are like you know, practically a ride. Uh, it's the biggest arcade cabinet you will almost ever see because it's a game where there's a screen on both sides of the cabinet, four sets of controls, or I have five in the, five. In the, uh, yeah, the five sets of controls in the arcade version on each and side. So 10 players. On, yes. So 10 people are able to stand around this gigantic cabinet. The, you know, in form, I would say it's kind of similar to the really big brawler style arcade machines of your things like the old turtles arcade game yeah uh where they had multiple monitors but this is of course using just giant flat screen monitors two 47 inch lcds one on each side Mm -hmm. um and it's it's a very quick playing game so it does kind of support 
very well, the kind of convention atmosphere, people dropping in and dropping out. Um, one of the sets of controls is the controls for the queen, and the rest of the controls are controls for drones. And every game, do you want me to get into how it plays out? Well, I want to explain a little bit more about the the sort of the object itself. Yeah, y- yes, I do want to get into that. But um, before we dive into that, um, a couple things about my history with Killer Queen. Uh, it's, a, it's a game that really lends itself to sort of league play. So uh, because it requires two teams of five, and in the arcade version, at least, there are no bots. We're talking you have to man all of those stations or one of the characters is just standing around. Um, It's a hard thing to get to play. But I was lucky enough when I was living in the Bay Area to be, uh, well, that's sort of the hot spot for Killer Queen. And that was also not too long after Killer Queen came out. So this game originally came out as this massive arcade thing in 2013. And it was 2019 before the uh, the home version, which is pretty substantially different in a couple of ways. But, you know, uh, it, the original version of the game, uh, it, 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 there were a lot of like articles and things about it around that time. I think I read about it first in something like Boing Boing, you know, that sort of mm. uh, online thing and it originally came out of uh, no quarter which was is uh nyu's sort of experimental arcade game uh event i think that's still going on it is still going on unfortunately it was supposed to happen in i think may it's one of the many things just delayed this year but um they've done a little bit of a virtual one if people want to look yeah, so the the two designers are Joshua DeBonis and Nikita Mikros, and they designed this game based on uh, a a physical game played in, with teams that was like like a like a the sort of game with people running around on a in a field. You know, the the rules were kind of play tested and developed uh, as a in person physical game for two teams of five players, um, but they turned it into this arcade experience for no quarter and they kind of play tested and refined it. And then they have a business selling these machines and they're frightfully expensive, uh, as you can imagine with these massive cabinets and, uh, and they're really designed to be the kind of thing that you sit in a, like a barcade or that kind of thing. Um, and the big selling point on selling one of these to a barcade is that, in pretty much everywhere one of these massive machines lives, you've got a kind of uh, uh, like bowling league style assembly of people getting together to play it. So uh, you can, you know, form teams, have brackets, that kind of thing. It's really good that they brought it out of the physical field because a lot of giant snails had to die for the development of this game. (laughs) So when they brought it into um, the video game form, I thought that was great. Um, less giant snail murder. You know, honestly, I have no idea how they did the giant snail chunk of this game when it was a physical game. <laughs> Who knows? Uh, but yeah, it really cool thing. This game that only existed as this sort of event, this massive thing that you had to go to a place to participate in. It felt really special. And people were always asking them where, you know, is there going to be a home port of this? Are you going to release this for home consoles or for computers or whatever? How can we bring this experience home? And um, I think part of their commitment to the people who shelled out thousands of dollars for these massive cabinets was that's never happening. They're was always there's never going to be a home port of Killer Queen. Um, and so when we finally did get a Killer Queen home game, uh, you know, six years later, it's not straight up the original Killer Queen. It has a number of differences. Uh, it's you can really think of it more as a game based on 
Killer Queen, maybe yeah. sort of like Killer Queen 2 or something like that. There are a number of little differences. The graphics are quite different. There's some changes to the rules. There's some additions, mostly additions, um, but also it's for a different number of players. Killer Queen Black is for two teams of four instead of two teams of five, which is another pretty significant difference. So this is this really, really cool thing that I thought I would never get to play again, having moved away from where all of the cabinets seem to be. Um, but then when I found out it was coming to home consoles, I was very excited. Uh, even with it being on home consoles, it's still a bit of a production to get a, a team together, but the home port re- includes online play. So just here last night, me and all of my co-hosts got together with our switches online and we did a Skype call and we jumped into quick play and we played as a team against a bunch of different people and we had a really, really fun time. And so we wanted to talk a little bit about what what we enjoyed about the game. Yeah, it was a ton of fun playing last night. Um, something that despite the fact that we've been doing a video game podcast together, the four of us for over five years now, we've not actually spend a lot of time playing games together. So it's always fun when we actually get that together and manage to make that work. Four four player online is kind of hard to find sometimes. Well, and also there's often a huge learning curve before you can play as a team. Like a lot Mm -hmm. of games have, you know, you need to have gone through an extensive tutorial or, you know, learn how to make a car play soccer to yeah. play together. So it, it gets hard because before you can even start playing as a group, you got to put in two or three hours of work to be capable of taking on strangers. Yeah. This yeah. game is like both pick up and play and quite deep, which is kind of rare. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it has bizarrely, it has elements of, um, you know, platformers of um, arcade action games uh, and also of strategy games, uh, e- even there's some elements that are inspired by things like civilization. So um, there's a lot going on in this game. And and one of the most wonderful things about it is that it gives you all these different ways to win. So it's it's highly competitive, strategic, and requires communication and collaboration to be successful at it. Yeah, I was surprised. So I had... I've been aware of this game for a long time, at least the physical cabinet one. And there is, there is one in St. Louis and I have been next to it and stared longingly. I have touched the buttons, but I never uh, managed to put together the 10 people required to play at the bar. Uh, and now I can't imagine the next time I'm going into. Uh, Nate, I didn't know there was one so, in St. Louis. Where is it? Just uh, out of curiosity. It's at a place called Start Bar. It's oh. a arcade bar downtown. I wonder if that wasn't there when I was living in St. Louis. I don't think it existed when you were here. Um, but yeah, they they have a lot of the like the big machines. It's 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 an okay place. It's one of those places that's like more a bar that has some arcade games, less of a uh, arcade that also serves beer. Um, but they got a Killer Queen machine, and they've had it for three or four years now. I just have not taken the time to get people together to go out there. Um, but I've been there and again, just stared longingly at it. Mm. Uh, and so for the playing, for playing it last night, I had never played it or done the tutorial. The first time I ever interacted with the game was our first game. Uh, and it was very funny because uh, Reagan was like, oh, you'll pick it up. And then just started like yelling directions that made very little sense. <laughs> but, yeah, he's like, you'll pick it up. Okay, let's go full economic. And Nate yeah, is just like, yeah, he's uh, like, Reagan's like, yeah, yeah. Okay, Nate, don't worry. It's really simple. Now, Nate, do you want to do a military economic 
or snail victory. Like, <laughs> those sound like three very undisconnected things. But with with that said, I think by the end of the first game, I had I understood almost everything except for a couple of nuances about some of the like actions you can do or some of the different uh, warrior B upgrades and things like that. But for the most part, like, yeah, with just jumping into a game all on, on, you know, uh, on audio with you all, like wasn't necessarily good by the end of that game. Don't know if I ever got to that point, but at least I was able to pick up what was going on. There's a lot, there's a lot happening on the screen, but each unique, each individual piece is actually not that complicated. It's like everybody, we either need to collect all the berries, we either need to ride the snail all the way to the end, or kill them more than they kill us. Like those are three very simple concepts. Uh, now, how they all balance together and what you decide to do as a team is where the game gets complicated. But the actual game, despite the mayhem on the screen, is pretty simple, I think. Yeah. So the kind of team formation in this, uh, the arcade cabinets, five people, the game we play was four. Basically one person plays the queen, but the other pe- people are kind of workers. We've called them bears, but they, they kind of look like bears. I, I think they might. Well, the, the name of the company player. that makes it, this, I, I assume comes from this because the company that makes the game is called Bumble Bear. Yeah. So the Bumble oh, Bears. Oh yeah. They, I assume they are they Bumble definitely Bears. definitely look like bears. Yeah. Which by the way, the sprites are adorable. You can choose from mm-hmm. like this weird, like, a uh, dominatrix heavy metal thing, uh, like a striped shirt, uh, like a bare chested. There's a lot of little options, but they're very funny. Yeah, they're um, very it's cute. It's very easy mm-hmm. to tell who is who. And they have your name on top of your character the whole time, which is excellent. Yeah, I got to say, that's a huge very help uh, of this versus the arcade version, because, you know, if you're playing the arcade version where obviously it doesn't display anyone's names anywhere on screen, God help you if you forget which of the little bears was yours. <laughs> it can be really easy to lose yourself on screen. Uh, whereas here, like I just scan the screen. Oh, there's Reagan. That's me. I'm going to I'm going to make sure I know where I am on screen. But basically, I've said everyone except one person starts off as a worker. But the, what makes it really fun is you can then choose to upgrade yourself to a uh, warrior to get a weapon or a power-up of some kind, but then you can't do all of the actions. So a lot of the balance is like, I've died, I've come back. What tasks do I do? Do I want to upgrade myself? Um, Where is my team right now? How are we on any of the three routes to victory? And is the other team going to win imminently? Do we need to go straight on defense? So it's Mm -hmm. a lot of reactive work. Sometimes these games... um, I've played the person playing the leader, the queen character is really dictating all of the action. This feels like everybody, even if you are just a worker uh, could change the course of the whole game. It, it, that feels yeah. unique in this type of game to me. To, to be clear too, Laura, I think that's a, that's a, a absolutely a, a great point. I will say though, I think it being entirely reactive was more a reflection that's more a reflection of us as a team <laughs> and maybe not the uh yeah, maybe i think not, one of the teams that design that, decision maybe that's just how yeah we play the yeah game. we didn't do that badly but i think some uh you know if, if we'd been maybe a little bit more uh uh premeditated then we might have done slightly there were a couple, better well there was at least one there was at least one team uh where I would argue they were incredibly proactive. Oh. Little strategies and little things. That I'm we pretty were. proud of our uh, of our match wins that we did get dropping into this we game did. as we pretty, did. Pretty with much with basically for most no of experience. Us. 
Well, yeah. I appreciate that we, at the beginning, we would be getting decimated and we'd be like, oh man, this is a very aggressive team. <laughs> like that's how we interpreted it because playing this at a high level means you are just murdering the opponents, stopping them from making any progress on any action. And, and you can get to a well-oiled machine. Um, it is easy to dominate, but the rounds are short. So if you get dominated, you can fix it next time reasonably quickly. Mm-hmm. So I want to take a second and go into the actual rules of Killer Queen, how this game works, because it's pretty simple, but it's also pretty brilliant. Um, And uh, I think maybe understanding a little bit of this will make it easier for folks to tell if this is something that they want to try with their friends. Uh, So first of all, uh, we've already explained a little bit about the teams. You've got two teams of four in this case, and uh, one of those people is the queen. The queen can fly. And the queen has a downward slash move that she can do, kind of a sword slash downward. And she can do a sword slash horizontally, like a dash. That's new, by the way, in this version of the game. The arcade version did not have the sort of dash move, uh, which makes the pace of playing as the queen in this a little higher. Much Um, faster, yeah. mm -hmm. So uh, she, uh, you pick who's the queen at the beginning of the round, and it does a nice little uh, uh, thing where people can opt into being the queen or not. Um, And... uh, then uh, the rest of the folks are playing workers. Uh, there are three main goals that you can do to end the round. And a match is best of, of five. Um, and so uh, in, any re- in any individual round, you can win by either what's called an economic victory. That means that uh, enough of your uh, drones have gone out, picked up berries that are scattered across the level, and carried them back to your home base And there's a certain number of berries you have to collect uh, kind of made obvious by the sort of little wall that you poke the berries into special holes. So economic victory, you carry a bunch of berries back to your home and you pop them into those holes and you fill up your up your wall. Um, uh, The uh, military victory would be killing the enemy queen three times. So regular drones can't kill the queen. Queens can kill each other. Joust rules, like I mentioned earlier, or If you're a drone, you can take one of the berries to a gate. These gates are little sort of upgrade spots. And if you carry one of the berries to a gate that your team can can use, either an unclaimed or one that's claimed by your team, uh, then you can upgrade to a warrior. And the warriors have the option to use one of several weapons. That's another difference between this and the arcade version. In the arcade version, the warriors only had access to a sword. But here you've got the option of a sword, a laser gun, a morning star a gun the gun is very funny to me and honestly the morning star i initially <laughs> thought was confusing but actually was what i was most effective with i really had a lot of fun with that yeah. one and then there's a fourth one i don't remember what it was um it's called stinger on the list and now i'm not sure if i know which one was the stinger uh so i think that might be the gun no that was it says laser and stinger in the in the, uh, in the page i was looking hmm. at before so i don't know maybe just three and maybe there's a fourth one that i haven't Unlocked yeah, and don't yet. forget the lightning bolt that makes you fast. Yeah, that's another upgrade yeah. you can get, the but shield. it doesn't turn you into a warrior. So when you're when you're upgrading, you can choose depending on the gate. Usually between two things, you can either choose to pick a weapon, or if the gate has the option, you can choose the uh, the speed up upgrade and become a speed drone, uh, which I'll explain in a second. But that helps a lot with the economic victories. And there's also the uh, there's also the um, uh, the shields, which are also new in this version of the game. Anyway, that's the uh, the military victory is kill the enemy queen three times, and either the queen has to kill the enemy queen or the one of the drones upgraded to a warrior has to kill the enemy queen. Should also note that all of the worker bears can be killed too mm-hmm. by the queen yes. 
and by uh, the warrior bees. Uh, you, if you're carrying a berry, you drop it. If you have an upgrade, you lose it, and you respawn pretty quickly yes. back at your your hive. Yeah, you're never going to spend a long time out of commission. Yeah, your queen, your queen, you have three eggs for the queen, and the queen will hatch, rehatch from the eggs. But if you run out, you're you're dead. But you have an unlimited number of respawns for your drones. Right. Um, and then final type of victory is the snail victory. In every level, you start with this massive snail in the middle of the level. And all you have to do to win that way is ride the snail from the center of the screen back to your side of the screen. But that's made challenging by the fact that the snail moves very slowly. So usually all eyes are on the person riding the snail. And uh, it takes sometimes several minutes to ride the snail all the way across the screen and you're very vulnerable. So if you're sitting on that snail, riding it towards your side of the screen, uh, probably you're going to get sniped by the enemy queen and maybe one of their drones is going to come hop on the snail and start riding it in the opposite direction. Um, which the nice thing about having these three ways to, to claim a victory is that three victory paths is enough that it's kind of hard on this very hectic screen to keep an eye on everything the other team is doing all at once. So it's easy to do little distractions. So maybe, for example, your team is going for snail, but you're not actually planning to to do a snail victory. It's more of a diversion so that they don't notice how many uh, uh, berries you're acquiring towards your economic victory, that sort of thing. Um, so it's a really, uh, it's really fast paced. What I just described sounds really complicated, but it, it actually becomes, you know, totally like it's very readable on screen. It's become second nature very quickly. Uh, and it, yeah, it's, it's not always very readable on screen. It's always, <laughs> it's pretty chaotic. Sometimes everything you look at, you can really easily determine what's going on, but you just may not be looking at everything. You know what I mean? So like, it's easy to look at where the snail is and say, okay, the snail is, is 75% of the way to their side and they are riding it. So they're about to win with the snail or it's just sitting in the middle unoccupied. It's also really easy to look at the enemy's uh, berry collection and say, okay, they have Mm -hmm. collected nine out of 10 berries. Like, oh crap, they're about to win. And then it's also really easy to look at their queen eggs and, say oh the queen's been killed two times we just need to kill it one more time to win it's really easy to assess each victory condition and where each team is in regards to that victory condition that said there's just all of that going at the same time so you may see two two drones heavily focusing on collecting berries so everybody goes into like sort of defense mode powering up trying to go kill those bears that are collecting berries and you don't notice that while you were doing that, they hopped on the snail and now they rode it uh, halfway across to the other side and you have to go back to get that. And then the, the, the berry bears can go back and get more berry. And, and it, you're just, it's this push and pull. Meanwhile, their queen is going around killing you or killing your, your queen. It, it, it gets really hectic, but each thing is very readable. And I think this game wouldn't work if it wasn't that way. When I say one of my favorite things is that uh, it is hard if you uh, can't upgrade to be uh, someone with a sword to stop the person on the snail. They're going to keep moving unless you kill them. You can't make them get off. But what you can do is you can throw your body in front of the snail and let it mm, eat you and temporarily stop moving. And it's just like, you know, you just throw and you're like, I'm being eaten. Someone come kill this guy, please. <laughs> <laughs> 
and it's yeah. just like it is it literally may- laying down in traffic on top of the steamroller. It's it's one of my favorite like desperate. It's plans. very funny, and the animation of eat of the snail eating the the little man is just great. I love it. It's so good. It looks very tasty, and, and it, it really is like the the least effective thing you can do with your ba- with your worker bear but is get also eaten by the snail at times but it's required so much because it yeah because yeah. you have to wait for you to be completely consumed and then the respawn time so like you are out of commission for longer than any other way to die but you might have stalled the snail just enough time for your your queen or one of your warrior bees to get over and 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 kill everyone and we had many games that we actually uh m- many rounds that we won because someone had just been sacrificing themselves to the snail until we could sort of get back on top and get the momentum back it was uh it's a really funny um objective that you'll take upon yourself randomly like i'm i'm gonna go get eaten and you're just like <laughs> going hard as you can and and you can tell that like the enemy or like the other team knows what that's what you're trying to do so they're desperately trying to kill you while you're trying to avoid them to go and get eaten by the snail is a really mm-hmm. funny combination of circumstances in and this game i'd like to talk for a minute about like playing as the queen because Mm. it plays very differently from playing as any of the other like types of, of uh, from the warrior or the drone. Um, The, the queen really has to care about dying. So you can't be like the drones out there throwing yourself under the, throw your bodies into the the wheels. Snail. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And the, but the queen is actually extremely deadly. Like they've even souped up the queen in, in black uh, to the point where you've got this like death dive you can do. That's a very effective move. And depending on the level, like you can, I don't think we've mentioned the screen wraps. So you can be dashing and dodging and diving your way uh, from the top to the bottom and then just wrap right back around in most of the levels and then just keep going. So, um, you know, it, it does make sense in a lot of cases to try to end the game a little early uh, by just, you know, going hard against the enemy queen. But the queen um, is such a useful piece on the board uh, because you need the gates to be claimed so that you can turn drones into warriors uh, and the queen can claim gates by touching them very quickly. Um, sometimes you have to clear the enemy snail rider so that they don't get the snail victory. Um, and the queen's pretty good at doing that. You can dash right through. They have no defense. Um, it's really only when you have a really aggressive enemy queen or uh, an aggressive enemy team that claims a lot of gates and, and quickly puts a lot of warriors onto the field, uh, that you really start to have to be on the run as the queen. And that, when that flips and you go from being this really, powerful and aggressive uh player to realizing well i've got one egg left and uh they're all warriors uh, and now i have to go on the run and start hoping that i can just claim gates while running away uh, to try to keep my team able to put up a fight um the, the push and pull there is really interesting and really really cool um and as someone who has played a whole lot of Joust in arcades, it was always my favorite arcade game. Um, 
playing as the queen was really fun because just going aggro and trying to get three kills on the enemy queen uh, early is a really fun and impressive uh, strategy. And, uh, you know, when you when you go for that and you screw it up and now you've run out of eggs, uh, you know, it, it does feel like you've just changed to a totally different play style. So it's uh, it's a really neat way to play the game. I also want to talk a little bit about just the practicality of playing this. You know, obviously, we talked about the uh, the arcade machine uh, ludicrously impractical, uh, but, you know, that's part of its charm. But this has uh, done a few things that make it, I think, really work. And, uh, you know, given that we're all locked in right now and probably a lot of folks are looking for ways to get together virtually with friends, uh, I think this could be a really good game for that. I enjoyed it last night. Uh, a few things about its online play. First off, it has cross-platform uh, online parties for multiplayer. So um, uh, you can be playing on all Nintendo Switches, or you can be playing all on Steam, or you can be playing a combination of the two. And if you are doing that, that cross-play, um, the game has sort of in-game IDs that it calls liquid IDs that you can use uh, to add people to your party, even if they're playing on a different platform than you, which I think is really nice to see. Um uh, forming a party was pretty easy. We were all on switches. So, uh, but you know, I, I, I had been kind of dreading it because I've had issues with the uh, Nintendo online multiplayer in the past, but it ended up being, what? Kinda, no, no, uh, but it ended up being really <laughs> easy. I just invited you guys all it to, uh, to a party and we were in, um, there are many game types and, uh, they made it pretty easy to get into games. So, uh, w- once we were all in a party together, I just jumped into quick play, which is a sort of non ranked, uh, play mode. And uh, it will automatically match your group with another group. And if it can't match you with a group of all human players immediately, it will match you with a group that includes bots. And it will do things like uh, if, you know, solo people are queuing into uh, into quick play, it will put them into games in progress and replace the bots with humans in real time if it can to try to put together good matches. Um, and I felt like it did a really pretty good job of matching us. Now, there were definitely times where we were getting our heads stomped in by people who had clearly been playing the game a lot longer than us, but it wasn't bad. Uh, we managed to hold our own for the most part until we ended up running into uh, uh, a, a few very, very talented players and God bless them. But <laughs> eventually we we retreated uh, by changing region to Canada. <laughs> we went to Canada. <laughs> we went, yeah, we went north. Uh, yeah, this was definitely the, the smoothest partying I have had on the Switch mm-hmm. uh, and really any Nintendo online game. Um, it, I was very much expecting it to be horrible. Me too. Me too. But like it was, Uh, it seemed really like I didn't notice an instant of lag. Um, everything was really, really good. Uh, and I was, I was frankly very surprised. And also I was going to mention that if folks are interested in checking this out with your friends, obviously everybody needs a copy of the game. Um, and so for some folks that might be a bit of a, uh, impediment, but a couple things to keep in mind. Uh, it's a, a, you know, MSRP 20 bucks. It's $20 downloadable on steam or the, uh, or the eShop. Uh, it seems like they started having sales somewhat frequently, uh, I just noticed that the physical version, the uh, the Switch version, got an actual cartridge release. Um, uh, original price on that was twenty bucks, but it's down to seventeen dollars, and it's been as low as fifteen dollars. If you want to uh, like keep an eye out for that, you could just literally order some physical copies and give them to your friends as a "Hey, let's get together" kind of thing. Um, 
Or if you go on Steam, they have a package deal where you can buy four copies of a game and then gift the copies to your friends uh, for $30 for four copies of the game. Was it 30? No, did I get that wrong? There, uh, that's what I think it was. They're, they're practically giving them away. Yep, $30. What a deal. Uh, and also, it'll run on uh, Windows or Mac. So if you have uh, friends who don't have a killer gaming PC or whatever, that shouldn't really be an issue. Uh, so if they've got a Switch or they've got a, uh, a, you know, a MacBook or something, they can join you for this one. I would also recommend, though, if you're playing on the Switch version, to dock your Switch. This is a game that has so much going on on screen and the sprites are so small that I tried playing it in handheld mode and it was just, it was, it was a little bit too small to really keep track of everything that I needed to see. So I would recommend playing this on your largest screen and sit close. Yeah. And one other caveat on switch, they did say uh, in the recommended note, recommended, (laughs) they did say on the switch though, when we started, if you are going to be doing a group, like we did, uh, to turn off your voice chat. Mm. Uh, we did that. Um, we actually just had a Skype call going so we could see each other and, uh, you know, played on our different TVs. So we can't speak to the quality of the voice chat in the Switch version, but they that's something I know they're yeah. aware of. I think so it's, it it's, uh, it's neat that they even have voice chat, like in-game voice chat on the Switch version. Uh, it just sort of yes. said in, in one of the notes, like, if you're having trouble, you may want to turn that off, uh, which, yeah. you know, no big deal. Um, and if you're playing on the Steam version, they don't seem to have that concern. So maybe that's some a reason to go for the Steam version if you want to do the, the uh, voice chat with strangers. Or just have a call with your friends. Yeah, yeah. I, I was perfectly happy to just be on a Skype call with all four of you guys, and we didn't need to talk to the opposing players. So um, I had a ton of fun with that. I don't like voice chat with strangers anyway. So No, Sorry. I really want to get this game uh, and play four versus four with both teams being all people that I know Mm -hmm. that just sounds like so much fun. And we also learned that a a single copy on switch can support up to eight. I I think by the way, I I think I was slightly wrong about that. It is that you, if you, if you want to have eight players in person on the switch version, you need two switches. Um, Oh, but they okay. they do local play with each other, so you would you would get two switches and two copies of the game, and that would support eight players local play, no online required. Well, someday, uh, short con. whenever, <laughs> yeah, yeah, whenever we have short con, uh, we're gonna do some four v four in person killer queen and i cannot wait it sounds like so much fun. yeah so i really really love playing this um i would put a call out to our listeners if you have played this or want to play i would totally jump into this again maybe even like organize a night so if we have some listeners who are interested and we can put together uh four of you maybe we could do listeners versus hosts or some some mix up or something like that i would love to get back into this some night again in the near future that'd be a had a had a ton of fun playing it um totally I think we only intended to play for a couple hours. We started at 9.30 my time, and I think we logged off at almost 1 a.m. So good on this game. Yeah, totally (laughs) fun. So uh, thank you so much for joining us on this episode of The Short Game. Uh, I am Reagan Kelly. You can find me on Twitter at Reagan K. That's R-A-Y-G-A-N-K. And you can find our show on the internet at www.theshortgame.net or on Twitter at underscore short game. Uh, and uh, Laura, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at Laura J. Nash. And Shane, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at 8BitShane. And Nate, where can people find you? 
on Twitter at NateSTL. And uh, listeners, thanks again for joining us on this episode of The Short Game. If you want to support the show, you can find us on Patreon at patreon.com slash the short game. That's the best way to support the show. Uh, and if you uh, support us at even a dollar a month, uh, you will get immediate access to our Discord, which is where we talk about the games that we're playing and we plan things. And hey, if you want to join us for uh, a round or two of Killer Queen Black, that would be the best place to hit us up. We would love to have you there and we can uh, start arranging some play nights if you want to join us on our Patreon. One quick shout out for next week, programming note, we are going to be covering Blakesball. So if you'd like to follow along with the season, oh, uh, now's yes. the time to do that. Yeah, yeah. A uh, quick note. So yeah, obviously, thanks for uh, thanks for reminding me, Laura. Um, if you haven't heard of Blakesball, uh, it is a web-based sort of baseball-esque video game. It's an e-sport? I don't know. It is. And uh, if you're curious, uh, it's one of those things that you're meant to sort of follow along throughout a whole week. Uh, and so if you're curious about the game, uh, you know, follow it this week. Uh, and uh, we'll be talking about it next week. And I'll have a link in the show notes to a great explainer uh, by Cat Manning, who I think does a great job of explaining what Blaseball is all about. So uh, check out that article if you are curious, and we'll be talking about that next week yeah season three was really exciting uh and thank you so much to all of our patrons and thank you for listening to the short game now our spoiler break and we're going to talk about the deep lore of killer queen and who we think done it (laughs) (laughs) who killed the queen (laughs) guys the most important lore of killer queen is how fucking badass her helmet is Oh, so uh, it's it's a, a really helmet. sweet helmet. It's a really helmet. sweet helmet. I, yeah. Yeah. What shape do you think her head is? B. Oh, I think she's a human being. Uh, I think I think this is a post-apocalyptic uh, world where uh, humans have joined with bug kind uh, through genetic experimentation to prolong our our, our decline uh, <laughs> to, into to prolong our animalism battles over berries. Yes. Honestly, guys, I'm shocked. We did not give him a whole episode without making a hive mind joke. Oh, you're right. Oh, yeah. Wah, wah. Well, I think this is all going in the episode, I assume. so. Um, <laughs> the post-outro break. Of course. Yeah. The um, the way the bears kind of goo out of the ground does give, a, I, give you the idea that they're coming from some sort of like pool of primordial bear ooze. <laughs> it's the so. prestige. Sorry for spoiling that. <laughs> Nate, Nate, do you think they're coming from the bear hive? Uh, oh. Yeah, yes. Yes, they are. For listeners, if this ends up going in the episode, Bear Hive was a, uh, was a f- uh, famous and influential indie band. <laughs> Starring Nate Island. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Thank you. Played good shit. Great. Uh, all I'm right. I'm going to stop. Everybody hit stop. <laughs>